0: Understand that God would want us to be people of order, and so we're going to look at this and and uh, dive into some things, and, and I'm going to show you some things tonight that if if we will get. And we will apply, I promise you, it will help you tremendously in the Christian life. So if you find your place, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, stand with me together. And I'm just going to read a couple verses here, uh, two uh, simple verses. uh, We see here in verse 23 and 24. The Bible says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, notice this, your whole spirit and soul "...and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, and Lord, I pray that you bless our message tonight. God, as we we dive into these all-important truths, I pray you'd speak to us through it. God, help us, Lord. Help us to learn some things that'll be a uh, help and a blessing, and Lord, uh, live in such a way that would bring you glory and honor in our lives, and so bless us, we pray tonight, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to quickly just uh, uh, review the three uh, main points I gave you last time and so you'll understand the premise of where we're coming from all right we talked about how that uh, our God uh, is a god of order first Corinthians chapter 14 verse 40 let all things be done decently and in order and then in first Corinthians 14 verse 33 for God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all churches of the saints and so uh, that is one attribute of God is uh, God of order Listen, folks, creation is filled with the order of God. I mean, there's a reason that the sun does what it does, the moon does what it does. I mean, all of creation operates in an orderly fashion. That's why it's such a uh, ridiculous, humorous thought to think evolution can be true. I mean, it's just... I mean, uh, nobody, uh, when it comes to logic, all right, really believes that evolution can be true. I mean, for example, all right, uh, you know, uh, this building, let's just say, all right, if you believe in evolution... There's, there was a higher chance that a tornado went through this area and when the tornado was done, this building was here just as it is as we're in it today. I mean, that's how ridiculous it is to believe in something like evolution, okay? Uh, Why? Because creation always shows design, it shows order, it shows planning, amen? And so all of that is part of who our God is. So that being said, here's the points we made. We said, first of all, all things should be done decently and in order. And because God is a God of order, everything we do should be done in order. We said, number two, God's not the author of confusion. So by default, if God's not the author of confusion, who is? Right? Okay? Uh, that, that's Satan. So if there's confusion, if there's hysteria, if uh, things are all mixed up and mixed around and not in order, that's not from God. Alright? And then number three, we said that a lack of order robs us of peace. Okay, And a lot of times the reason our lives are in turmoil and uh, we don't have peace in life is because we're not operating by God's methods, amen? And so truth be told, what we're trying to do as Christians is figure out how God wants things done, what the Bible has to say, and then obey the Scripture, amen? And so what I'm going to give you tonight, I'm going to give you, uh, we're going to dive right into this and uh, talk about how to order yourself. Because I'm not bringing these messages so, you know, your closet at home can be more organized, okay? Uh, you know, so your shoes are color-coordinated with, uh, you know, your outfits and all that stuff. That's not the point in this, okay? I'm not against that stuff. I think our, our spaces and things of that ought to be in order. But no, we're talking about more of who we are individually, how God made us, amen? And uh, so, uh, again, some of this stuff I've talked about before. and uh, But I, I'm going to really try to break it down and explain it to you tonight. I think it's interesting, a lot of the things or some of the things that uh, Brother Williams talked about last week, I've either been talking about or I'm going to talk about tonight. And uh, you know what that is, folks? That is God just showing us uh, that He wants for us to learn some truths. Amen? I mean, when He has your pastor preach about it, He sends a guest preacher to talk about it and preach about it. I think God's trying to say, hey, White River, get what I'm trying to get you to understand. Amen? And so let's talk about this tonight. Now, you've heard me say this before, uh, but uh, as human beings. I read the verse to you tonight. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. But as human beings, we, God made us into three parts. Again, notice what it says there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. We understand that God is a triune being. Amen. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. They're three in one. You say, explain that. I just explained it. Amen. And uh, there's parts of God, folks, that will never wrap our human minds around. Thank Him for that. Amen. Because if we could always comprehend God with this, He wouldn't be much of a God. All right. God is a triune God and He is three in one. We use the word Trinity. now, you're not going to find the word Trinity in your Bible, but the, the principle and the idea and, and what the Trinity is, is encompassed in the Word of God. Amen? So don't get nervous just because uh, there's certain words that we use and talk about that's not actually in the Bible. By the way, the word Bible's not in the Bible. Okay? It's on it, but it's not in it. Okay? And so, uh, don't get nervous. Uh, just sometimes we talk about things in that particular word. But the principle, no doubt, is. So, God's a trinity. Well, guess what? We as human beings are a trinity as well. Alright? I'm going to try to break this down and explain this to you a little bit, all right? So, I'm going to need some help tonight, and uh, I've got some guys right here on the front row that look like they're ready to help, amen? And so, here we go, all right? Let's have, first of all, we'll just work in order. Jesse, let's have you come up here tonight, all right? And Jesse, <clears throat> you're going to represent the body. Amen. Look at this body to represent here, man. Turn around here a little bit. All right. Give us a couple of, flex a little bit. All right. There there you go. What a wonderful illustration of the body. Amen. Amen. All right. There you go. You are the body. Okay. Now, when we are made, by the way, uh, when we are conceived in our mother's wombs, amen, because life begins at conception, right, conception, God begins the process of giving us a body. When that spark of life happens, the body is formed and begins to grow. But here's the thing. Life isn't just about a body, okay? Because as human beings, we're more than just a body, all right? Something else God gives us when He makes us, all right? Jeremiah, you come up here, all right? You're going to be the soul man tonight, amen, all right? So does he look like he has soul tonight? All right. He is the soul, okay? And so the soul Is the real you. Amen? What you see up here tonight, okay, and what we see when we look at each other is not the real us. Okay? Your body is just the house that the real you lives in. Amen? For example, all right, let's say God forbid something would happen. Let's say our building would be destroyed by fire tonight. Let's just say that would happen. All right? Let's pray it won't, but we are pretty insured though just in case. All right? Let's say it won't. All right? Talk about a jump start to get the new building built. Amen. It better not happen. Or I'm under investigation, okay? But if that would happen, if that would happen, guess what? White River Church still will exist even if this building's destroyed. Because you know what? The building's not the body, amen, or the building's not the church. The church is us, amen? The church is a called-out assembly. It's made up of the people. Now, the building's nice, all right? We're thankful to have it. It would be hard to be able to do what we do without the building, but the building doesn't define the church. Amen. But the building's where the church has a meeting at. Okay. So the body is kind of like the building. All right. The soul is the real you. Now, what's interesting about the soul, the way God made us, is that your soul is also made up of three parts. The real you is made up of three things. All right. It's made up of your mind. All right. Hold that up there a little bit. Uh, your mind. Your mind is how you think. Okay. It's also made up of your heart. Now, that's not referring to the muscle beating in your chest. Your heart is, and when the Bible uses that word heart, most of the time it's referring to the part of you that feels, your emotions. Okay? So as human beings, we're made up of mind, how we think. We're made up of a heart, how we feel. And then we're made up of a will. Our will is our actions. Okay? So the real us... Is a soul. By the way, the soul lives forever. Amen? We will live forever someplace. Every person is eternal. It's not a matter of whether or not mankind's eternal, it's a matter of where you're going to spend your eternity, where your soul's going to be. And by the way, the soul does have a body. Now it's not a physical body like this body, but there's a body. I mean, you go, but you read about that rich man in Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. And that rich man, when he lifted up his eyes in hell, hey. He thought, He saw, He thirsted. So there's some kind of eternal body that we're going to be living in. And I believe our eternal bodies, especially for the Christian, amen, because there's scripture on that, that it's more even alive than the physical body is. Okay? So there's the body, there's the soul. Okay? Now, before you're saved, all right, that's all there is. You say, I thought you said mankind's a, a, a triune being. We are. Okay? But there's another part of mankind that, before we're saved, guess what? Is dead. Is dead. Now, pretty appropriate. Christian's wearing a white shirt. His name is Christian, all right? Come on up here, Christian. You're going to represent the Spirit, amen? Now, not the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit of man, okay? And before you're saved, go and turn around, face the wall, all right? Turn around, face the wall. That part's dead, not alive. Okay? In fact, when we're born, all right, that's why no one's born saved. Okay? Because when a person's born, they got a body, no doubt. They got a soul, no doubt. But this part of them is the part that's dead. And by the way, this is the part that is, as a Christian, we're trying to go around and talk to people about. We're trying to witness to people about. Because you know what? This is the part that needs to get made alive. Because when this part gets made alive, it saves this part. This part never saved. By the way, this part right here, this is the old flesh right here. Man, it's wicked as hell. Amen? (laughs) Do I got an amen out there, all right? This is the part of us that's got the wicked desires. It's got the, the part that, you know what, as much as this part's saved, as much as this part's transformed, this part will never be transformed. And that's why the Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. This is not going to heaven. This will never be saved. Amen? But thank God this is saved when, turn around, this gets born again. Amen? The Spirit, when we get saved, all right, and the Spirit then is made alive. Here's what the Bible says Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened, or that word, I already taught you that, means to be made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Colossians 2.13, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Amen? And so when that spirit, that's the part that gets reborn, and when the spirit's reborn, the soul is saved. Alright? And that is the three parts of mankind. But, I said three parts, there's another part. Right? Because once we get saved... Alright? We're not just body. We're not just soul. This we're not we just don't have a reborn spirit. But guess what? There's something else inside of us as Christians, right? Who's that? Oh man. Good night. I better find somebody else for this one. All right. Come on up here, Elias. Amen. Do we think this is appropriate? Can Elias be the Holy Spirit tonight? Oh man, help us. All right. So, when you get saved, this is this is us as Christians when you're saved, Amen. You got the body, you got the soul, you got the reborn spirit, you got the Holy Spirit of God, Amen. Now here's the thing, and here's the point of the message tonight. All these four parts, okay? It's kind of like one of those um, you know uh, games where you move around the cups and try to figure out what's what. All these four parts can be arranged in many different ways, okay? And what we must do as Christians, and this is, this is I'll be honest with you, folks, this is a, a secret, I don't know if I want to call it a secret, but a method of the Christian life that if you figure out, you can be successful. This goes right along with what I was preaching this morning as far as how to get victory. The reason a lot of Christians never get victory because these parts are out of order. Okay? They're not in the proper, and if they're not in the proper order, it's not going to work right as a Christian. Okay? So let me show you some things here, okay? First of all, let's talk about a person. We've already talked about a person that's not saved. All right? Go ahead, just for a second, you two turn back around and face the wall. If you're not saved, two parts. That's it. Okay? You got a body, you got a soul. You have the capability of having a reborn spirit and the Holy Spirit living inside. But if you're not saved, this is all there is. And sad to say, folks, most of the world's in this condition right here. Most of the world. And that's why we as Christians have a big job to do. Amen? That's why we do what we do. That's why we support missions. That's why, as a church of Jesus Christ, we're strong in evangelism. That's why we're starting to help and start uh, uh, being part of a church plant. I mean, all that is about changing this right here about mankind. Okay? All right? Once you are saved, go ahead, saved uh, people. Turn around here. All right, there we go. Now, three different facets you can be of in your Christian life. Okay? First of all, you can uh, be saved, all right, and you're a newborn Christian. Amen? And by the way, there's something refreshing about new converts. Amen? Now, when a person is, is saved and they're, and they're reborn, the Bible says, uh, uses the term in 1 Peter chapter two, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, as newborn babes. Amen? Desire the sincere milk of the Word that they may grow thereby. So when a person gets saved, it's actually anything in life. Again, the term born again. When you're saved and you're a baby, you don't know a whole lot, okay? I mean, mean, if you think about it, babies only know how to do a a few things, all right? But the point is, is that they quickly begin to mature, begin to grow, begin to learn, okay? So here's the order of a person when they are uh, uh, just uh, newly born as a Christian, okay? Okay? The body's still in the number one position, all right? It's still at the head, all right? Then you have, just as we're lined up here, the soul's behind the body, the spirit is right here, and the Holy Spirit is the caboose, all right? Now, again, newborn Christians, all right, are trying to figure out how they need to grow, where they need to be, all right? Now let me just say this. Newborn Christians need patience from mature Christians, Because truth be told, folks, all of us at one point was in this order in our Christian lives. By the way, as I'm going to show you in a minute, this is not the right order, by the way. Okay? Because, I mean, come on, think about it. Should the body be the engineer controlling everything in the life? Yes or no? No. And by the body, we could could say the flesh. Should the flesh be in the driver's seat? Absolutely not. Okay? So this is not the proper order. But when a person is first saved, this is the order they're in. Because they don't know any better. Okay? And by the way, that's why, as a church, as we begin to grow and we get new people in here, listen, folks, we have got to go out of our way to help people and, you know, not walk around with Pharisaical attitudes about people as they're trying to grow in the Christian life. People don't know. Now, I'll just tell you this if they continue to come to this church, they're going to find out real quick. By the way, let me say the main way, now, not the only way, The main way, though, for people to learn and grow and get the order fixed, you know how it is? It's this pulpit right here. Okay? And let me tell you what we need to do. We need to come along beside as Christians and reinforce what's coming from the pulpit. Amen? You need to come beside people. You need to love them. You need to help them. You need to be patient with them. Okay? I mean, come on, folks. Someone's been attending here a month. You know, you don't need to go up to them and start griping at them because something's not right in their life. Well, guess what, folks? You know what? I mean, we want to start peeling back the, the layers of the onion and look at look in your life and look at my life, look in the closets of all of our lives, especially when we were first saved, okay? When we're all immature Christians, uh, we, we didn't get things the way they ought to be as quick as we thought that uh, maybe someone thought they should have been. So all that to say, we got to be patient. But here's the thing, all right? And by the way, even as a pastor, when people come in, here's what I tell folks. Listen, I will accept you wherever you're at as a person, not just as a Christian, because a lot of people aren't even Christians. As a pastor, whoever walks in that door, I don't care who they are, from what walk of life they're from, they ought to feel loved, they ought to feel accepted, they ought to feel welcomed, they ought to have kindness showed to them. Okay, but here's the thing. As a spiritual leader, as mature Christians, we're trying to get people where God wants them to be. Amen? So here's what I tell people. I'll accept wherever you're at, but don't expect me to help you stay there. Because my job is to get this order right and help you live a life that pleases God. Amen? So, as a newborn Christian, here's the order. Now, you also have another category, and that is the carnal Christian. Okay? The carnal Christian is a Christian who, truth be told, parts are really not even ordered much different than a baby Christian, except instead of doing it out of ignorance, they do it because they choose to do it because they choose to live that way. A carnal Christian is a Christian who's been to church for some time, who has heard the preaching of God's Word, but you know what? They can't claim ignorance because they know, and they they, they know what the preaching says. The Holy Spirit's been working on their heart, but they still choose to let this guy be in the driver's seat. That's called carnality. And by the way, folks, you know what? Weak churches produce carnal Christians. Carnal Christians. You know why I take serious the preaching responsibilities that God gives me from this pulpit? Because you know what my job is as a pastor? Not to allow you to stay like this. Amen? And listen, folks, we've got to get to the point. I'm going to show you in just a minute the goal we're trying to get to. Amen? And teach you some important truth here where this isn't the order of our lives. Now, from time to time, you know what? The flesh is going to get control, and the flesh is going to do some things it shouldn't do. But you know what? Even as a Christian, when you have a bad day, when the flesh raises its ugly head, maybe the order gets out of place a little bit, don't allow it to stay that way. Okay? The the worst thing you can do as a Christian is be carnal. The Bible has a lot to say about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as into carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I mean, Paul was trying to tell the church here, listen, i got spiritual truths. i got things I need to teach you. I can't even talk to you in a spiritual way because you're carnal and you're just like you were when you first got saved. By the way, that's a shame. Amen? That's a shame. Because, by the way, you know what we're going to be doing as Christians? Growing learning? I mean, come on. If you're a kid, you have a child that's born, and that child does not begin to grow, doesn't begin to mature, their speech starts changing from baby talk to mature talk, and, and the natural process of life happens. If that's not happening, you understand as a parent, there's a problem. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to get your kid to a specialist, you're going to get your kid to a doctor, you're going to try to figure out what I got to do to fix this, right? Well, guess what, folks? God thinks the same exact way. Come on, kids. You've been coming to church for a while. You've been you've been hearing the preaching. You've been you've been given that there's the, some spiritual truth. Why are you still acting like a baby carnal immature Christian? I think God sits up in heaven sometimes just like, What is wrong with my kids? I saw a funny meme this week. And in fact, let me just read it to you. It was hilarious. I sent it to some of my preacher friends. And uh, it's, you know, sometimes preachers have preacher humor, right? And uh, here's what it said. It shows a picture of Paul. And it says, if the Apostle Paul were alive today, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, to the churches of the United States of America, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, I don't even really know where to begin with you guys. (laughs) Amen? Isn't that the stinking truth, right? I think God sits up in heaven sometimes and he's just shaking his head maybe and thinking, what is wrong with my children? Why can't they figure this thing out? Why aren't they maturing? Why aren't they growing? Why aren't they becoming what I need them to be so they can do the work I need for them to do? Amen. I think God thinks that a lot of times. All right. Again, a lot of more verses I could give you. Uh, let me just read a couple more and then we'll get on to, uh, where we're supposed to be at. Romans chapter eight, verse five and six. For they that are after the flesh, again, flesh in the driver's seat, do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, okay, there's a hint of where we're going, right? Do, uh, the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death. This guy's in the driver's seat, okay? You know what's going to happen in your Christian life, to your Christian testimony, to the will of God for your life? It's going to die. I'm going to tell you right here this one's in the driver's seat, you ain't going nowhere spiritually. In fact, if anything, you're going to crash and burn. You will never be what God wants you to be if this guy's in the driver's seat. Okay, I'm gonna tell you again. I can give you scripture after scripture after scripture about how as Christians, you know what? We we cannot live in this order. Amen. All right, now let's get to where we're going because this is where I want to leave you with some uh, some truth that will help you. All right, now we're, we're we're saved. We're growing. We're trying to mature. Guess what's going to happen? The order is going to change. The order is going to change. All right. So let's think about this for a minute. If the order changes, all right, and we're changing order, guess who's in the driver's seat? Flesh, yes or no? Nope. Sorry, flesh, you're moving. Amen. Guess who gets to be in the driver's seat now? Anybody want to guess? Okay, switch places. There you go. Aha, Christian. Guess what? We got a new we got a new pilot in our life, don't we? By the way, not co-pilot, pilot, right? Yeah. Hate that bumper sticker. God's my co-pilot. No, He's not. Amen? He has no interest in being second in command. God should be number one. Amen? So guess what? Holy Spirit's in control. Whole different thing now. Because if the Holy Spirit's calling the shots, I can tell you right now, things will be different. Amen? Because here's what happens. The Holy Spirit then, alright, by the way, we're still out of order a little bit. Okay? Because you know what? To most people, this is pretty important. What I think, what I feel, what I do. That's what most people think. Okay, but guess what? Not proper order. Because the, in order for the Holy Spirit to get things in the right order, all right, we gotta sh- we got to shift around again. All right, you come over here, you come over here. All right? Because here's what happens now. The Holy Spirit communicates with our reborn spirit, which is the spiritual side of us, by the way. By the way, any interaction we have with God has to be in this order. The Bible says that they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen? And this is the only part of you that has a direct connection with God. Your, Holy, your, your spirit does. Okay? And the reason this part can communicate with God is because this guy's living inside of us now. And by the way, let me just say this about the Holy Spirit, okay? I'll do some preaching just about the Holy Spirit sometime. But the Holy Spirit is a person. He's referred to as a person. Okay? He's not a force. Okay? That's a false doctrine of the false cults. Okay? He's not a force. Alright? He's not a liquid. He's not some kind of mystical gas that seeps inside of us. He is a person that is a spirit that lives inside. Okay? For example, alright? And we know this is true. Answer me this question. Can a person be possessed with an evil spirit, yes or no? Absolutely. I believe we're living in a world filled with them. In fact, not just one evil spirit, multiple thousands of evil spirits can live within a person. Remember the person that Jesus healed, the maniac of Gadara, and Jesus asked the question, what is thy name? And the voice coming out of the man said, we are legion, for we are many. You know, legion means, it really refers to like a legionnaire of Roman soldiers. Thousands. That man had thousands of demonic spirits living inside of him. Okay? So if evil spirits can live inside of us, guess what that means? The right spirit can live inside of us. Now, there's not multiple spirits of God. There's one. By the way, he's got a first name It's holy. And guess what? When you get saved, boom! He becomes the resident. But remember... Just because he's the resident doesn't necessarily mean he's the president. Because we have the choice in our lives what position he takes, right? So the mature Christian says, flesh, you're not the you're not the president. You're just a resident. You're the president. You're the one calling the shots. So the Holy Spirit of God should be in charge of our life. By the way, when the Bible says to be filled with the Spirit, okay, that's not some crazy thing that we've allowed the charismatics to hijack from us okay being filled with the spirit does not mean you run around and act like you're filled with an evil spirit that's not that's being filled with a spirit but it's not the holy spirit i can tell you that okay when the holy spirit when the bible says to be filled with the spirit here's what that means that means the holy spirit of god is in control that's what it means it means he's calling the shots He's the one that controls what we think about. He's the one that controls what we see, what we choose to look at, what we choose to listen to. He's the one that controls what we, where we go. That being said, the Holy Spirit communicates with the reborn spirit. Okay? Notice the order here. And then, once we're in the right order, here's the soul. Now think about this. If this guy's in control, okay, okay, and the Spirit, the newborn part of us, is in tune with the Holy Spirit, and our relationship is right with God because the Holy Spirit's in control, guess what that means? What kind of thanking do you think you'll do? What kind of emotions do you think you'll have? What kind of actions do you think you'll do? Right? Let me tell you why a lot of Christians act the way they do. I mean, have you ever been around a Christian? And I'll be honest with you, folks. I hate to say it, but it's so true. You know, sometimes Christians can be the biggest jerk you've ever met in your life. I'm, I'm so, I'm so, listen, folks. I, the people in my life that I've had get in my face and scream at me were supposed to be born-again Christians. I've never had anyone from the world get in my face and scream at me. I've never had anyone from the world do that. But I sure happen to have supposed newborn or reborn Christians do that. Okay? You know Why? Because this guy's in the driver's seat, and when he's in the driver's seat, he's got full control of all this right here. Let me tell you something. If you are thanking carnally, feeling carnally, acting carnally, driver's seat, you know what that tells me? You are not filled with the Spirit of God. Because when this guy's in control, all this stuff's going to be right. Let me just say this, folks. Listen to me. If you're going to be be an effective Christian for God, You've got to figure out this order, okay? You know why sometimes a lot of people have, have bad, negative, horrible thoughts, okay? Because they're, 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 everything's out of order, okay? They're not ordered properly. They're not thinking right, and since they're not thinking right, they're not feeling right. Because they're not feeling right, they're not doing right. Listen, folks, everything's got to be in its proper order so that we can function the way God wants for us to function. So think about it. If the Holy Spirit of God's in the driver's seat, amen? That means the most important part of us as a human being is this the Spirit. Amen? You see how the divine order works here? If the Holy Spirit's in control, that means the Spirit's the number one important thing in our life. After the Spirit then, the Spirit then dictates how we think. And by the way, these things are in a proper order too. Because let me tell you uh, how, how a lot of people do, okay? You know what dictates what they do? Right here, how they feel. They don't think about what they do because everything's controlled by the emotions. They allow, you heard this before, allow your emotions to control you. Listen to me, folks. Your emotions shouldn't dictate what you do as a person. Right. Well, I just feel this way. Big stinking deal. Is it right? Who cares how you feel? What is right? Your emotions should never be the driving factor in the decisions you make. You know how many people get problems in life, trouble in life, because everything's out of order and how they feel dictates everything they do. And truth be told, the reason they're feeling that way is because that guy over there is telling them how to feel. Okay? I mean, come on, have you ever felt about, passionately about something come to find out later you felt about it wrong? Sure, we all have. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you, that's why the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Think about that. The heart, how you think uh, about things, or I'm sorry, how you feel about things, it will deceive you so quick and so fast. Man, I'm going to tell you, that heart is deceitful. Now the world, they make all their money off songs that talk about the heart. Oh, just follow your heart. You know, The heart this, the heart that. It's all about your heart, all about your heart. You know what God says? No, it's not. You know what it all ought all, all, all to be about as Christians? Boom. Having the Spirit of God in control of your life. And if the Spirit of God is in control of your life, the spiritual part is the most important part. If the, if the spiritual part's the most important part, then guess what? You'll start thinking right. You'll start feeling right. And if you think right and you feel right, you'll do right. And then guess who doesn't even get a stink and say so? Guess who doesn't even have a part of the game down there? You know why? Because the flesh is supposed to die. He's supposed to be dead. Amen? And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about the, the feelings of the flesh. Obviously, God, when He talks about you know, dying to self, He's not talking about you know, literally taking your own life, okay? But He's talking about all the desires, all the feelings, all the emotions that come with the flesh. In fact, here's what the scripture says about it. All right, let me give you a couple of verses and we'll close this up tonight. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Listen to this. For to be carnally minded, or we could say this, for this to be down here, and all this down here, and this right here, controlling this right here, you know what the Bible says? Is death. If this guy's in the driver's seat, I'm going to say this. You will, you will accomplish nothing for God. Because this guy is death to everything else. Death to the effectiveness of it. Death to what God wants you to do. I mean, on and on the list. could go for be carnally minded is death, but... So here's the opposite, all right? Musical chairs here, musical positions here. But, to be spiritually minded... So you know what that tells us? You can either be carnally minded or spiritually minded, right? But to be spiritually minded, you know what comes along with that? Life and peace. You know why a lot of Christians' lives are in turmoil? Because they got the wrong thing in the driver's seat. Spirit of God's not here. Spirit's not the most important thing. Flesh is. Flesh is controlling what they think about, what they feel about, what they do. Let me tell you, wrong order. Wrong order. Ephesians chapter 5. Again, this is the command here. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Okay, a lot of people, I just want to follow God's will. I want to do God's will. And I think if, if I, if you took a, a an opinion poll, I think Christians are probably going to say, especially Christians who come to church to try to stay faithful to the Lord, they're going to say, yes, I want the will of the Lord for my life. I think if all of you come up here tonight, and I had you testify and I ask you the question, do you want the will of, will of the Lord for your life? You're going to say, yes. At least you ought to. Amen. Okay, but listen, it gets practical here, okay? What the will of the Lord is, all right, so here you, you want to know what the will of the Lord is? He starts off with an illustration. Be not drunk with wine words in excess. Doesn't that seem odd that God would throw that in there when he's talking about all this? By the way, I'm not preaching on this tonight, but it, the Bible is very clear about it. God is not for one bit the consumption of alcohol in any type of form, amen. He's not. The Bible says if you look at the wine, when it moveth itself aright in the cup, you're unwise. You don't even look at it. Amen? I'll preach on that another day. But he's using this as an illustration. Be not drunk with wine, where is an excess? Now think about it for a minute. If a person is drunk, you know what that means? They're underneath, and here's the word used in our society, an intoxicating substance. You know what the word intoxicated means? You're not in your right mind. You're under the control of something else. That's why God used that illustration. Be not drunk with wine is excess, but, here you go, you ready? Be filled with the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? That God would liken being filled with the Spirit to being filled with alcohol. You know why He did that? Because think about this, folks. Just as alcohol is a controlling substance, the Spirit of God is a controlling substance. And by the way, as a Christian, when you get filled with the Spirit, thank God we're not in our right mind. You know what that means? When you're filled with the Spirit, you'll do things for God you never thought you could do before that. I mean, come on, people that get drunk, they'll do the dumbest thing, right? You ever been around a drunk person? Walk around, act all stupid, say the dumbest things? I mean, they have a false sense of bravado, doing stupid stuff they would never do in their right mind? Well, guess what God wants us to do, okay? Not stupid, reckless, okay? That's not what we're talking about. But you know what? David... I mean, think about it. How could a young boy, like we talked about this morning, face down, when he was outnumbered, he was, you know, uh, Goliath should have won that battle. The odds were, how could you run to that and have the faith? i tell you how. Because the Spirit of God was in control. Amen? It'll cause you to do things you never thought you could do any other way. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Now think about that for a minute was one of the Scripture songs we see. I am crucified with Christ. you ever thought what that meant? You know what crucifixion is? Death that's what it is. So what's it mean when Paul says, I'm dead? You know what he's talking about? That guy right down there. Guess what? He's dead. He don't even have a stake in the game. He doesn't even have a say-so because he's dead. He doesn't get to control anything because he's dead. And by the way, every single day... You know what we must as Christians make a conscious effort to do? Crucify Him. Let Him die. Let Him be killed. I don't know how you do it, but here's what I do, okay? My mind works in weird ways, amen, all right? But I like using uh, uh, mind illustrations of things that help me. Okay, here's here's what I literally picture. When I'm spending time with God every morning, and I spend time in my uh, confession to God and making sure I'm right and clean so this guy can be in control, Okay, You know what I literally picture doing? I literally picture the flesh, the Holy Spirit of God, nailing my flesh to the cross. I literally picture that. I picture, you know what? This mind that wants to think sometimes it shouldn't think. Big old spike. Boom. Right through his head to the cross. The hands that don't want to do what they ought to do. Boom. Nailed to the cross. And you know what? Then all day long, you know what we're trying to do? Keep him from coming off. He's dead. He doesn't get to say so. Because the Holy Spirit of God is in control. Amen? I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, not this guy, this guy, the Spirit. Amen? But Christ liveth in me, the Holy Spirit of God. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And on and on. I could give you verse after verse after verse. Let me just say this, Christian. The secret to the Christian life. If you're gonna figure this thing out, if you want, if, if you want a, a sense of purpose in your life, you want uh, uh peace in your life, you wanna live the most effective Christian life, you better get the order right. You gotta get the order right. This guy needs to be in control, amen. And again, there's so many different directions we could go with this, but you know what keeps him from being in control? You know what keeps him out of the driver's seat? Okay, self and sin. Let me tell you, let me tell you what cannot happen. Impossible, okay? It's impossible for this guy and this guy to be in the same place. In fact, the Bible says they're in enmity with one another. They get near each other, man. I said it this morning. I don't know where that came from. It's on like Donkey Kong, man. <laughs> These guys get near each other, buddy. It is not going to be pretty. They're not going to stand there and be buddy-buddy, I can tell you that. But he, they're, going to, they're, they're warring. They're fighting. The flesh and the spirit are enmity with one another. The spirit of God hates the carnal flesh. The carnal flesh hates the spirit of God. It's a constant battle. They cannot be together. So, you know what's going to have to happen? All right? If this guy's going to be in control, he's got to die. He's got to be dead. He's going to have to get nailed to the cross. All right? It doesn't matter what he wants. It doesn't matter what he thinks. It doesn't matter how he feels. He doesn't get a say in the game because this guy's in control. Amen? And if you want him to be in control, you've got to die to self and you've got to keep the sin out of your life. Amen? Self and sin have got to be gone so the Holy Spirit of God can sit where He needs to sit and that's on the throne of our life in the driver's seat. Amen? And if you'll figure this out as a Christian, and every single day through the grace of God and the help of God, you allow Him to control you, and you know what? The order is going to be right, and you're going to be an effective Christian. Because if He's right, the spiritual part of us, the newborn part of us, is the most important thing. And then you know what? If, if, the, if the Spirit, the newborn part of us, is, 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 is in control in leading by the Holy Spirit, you're going to think right, you're going to feel right, you're going to do right, and who cares about this guy? He don't matter. He's dead anyway. That's the way we need to be living. That's the proper order. And sad to say, sad to say, most Christians never figure this out. And that's why, sad to say, one of these days at the judgment seat of Christ, a lot of Christians are going to hear wicked, slothful servant. You know why? Because they never figured out how to get the order right. and They never accomplished anything for God. Now, folks, listen, all right? You guys can be seated. Thank you so much. I kind of taught you tonight the... The premise of all this, I didn't give you a lot of practical application uh, as far as how to make this happen other than what I just showed you tonight. I gave you a little bit of practical application. Next couple weeks, I'm going to give you some very practical things that will help us what that means, the benefits of, and and, and very specifically, how the process to make this order thing happen in our life. Amen? And by the way, you know what? You can do it. Amen? You know why you can do it? Because God says you can do it. And if we'll do it, Through God's help, I'm going to tell you, folks, it will transform you as an individual. It will transform your family. It will transform this church. Amen? And God can use us to accomplish great things for his will. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you.